0: Thanks to Indeed for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Hiring is one of those things that you do not want to mess up. With the stakes this high, there is only one choice, and that's Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Also, thanks to Amazon Pharmacy for supporting the podcast as well. Amazon Pharmacy makes it easy to order your prescriptions and have them delivered straight to your door. Amazon Prime members can save on prescription medication when not using insurance and get free 2-day delivery. Learn more at amazon.com/applebits. All right everybody, let's get to the show. Ah, ah. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, aka BTZ, aka your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome to everyone who is new to the show. This is the podcast, kind of the weekly wrap up of all the big things that happen inside and kind of outside the Apple world and the greater tech world at large. Also, this show is because of you all, and you are a big part of it. So I always encourage you. To call in, all you got to do is record a voice memo, any kind of audio recording on your phone, on your laptop, whatever platform, applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. We got six calls for this episode. I love it. And you all add so much flavor to the show. So continue to do that. And uh, really excited to get to those calls later in the show. And this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how many of you have supported this podcast and have allowed me to keep on doing it. It starts at $2 per month, goes to $5 per month, which is like a cup of coffee, $10, $25, and the $100 platinum level. All these different levels have rewards at different levels. You get early access to my content and a completely ad-free version of the show. What you're hearing now, you hear none of that. This is a weekly show. We've continued to put out a show every week, interviews, guests and all the latest good stuff. It's just fun to talk about. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support the show. All right, let's get into this, and I'm gonna lead with this story because this is kind of, there's not any major Apple news this week, just kind of some nuggets here and there, some rumors here and there, some of them that you've probably heard before, but this story just recently dropped, and it's an intriguing one. It's almost directly related to us because Apple... Just accused a former employee of stealing trade secrets and leaking them to the media. The is is isn't aren't one of the reasons why I am able to do what I do and why you are able to enjoy and participate in it is because people leak things. Well, this gets pretty nitty-gritty. So check this out. Um this is kind of summarized by Mac rumors and others. But Apple, they actually filed a lawsuit today, which at the time of this recording is Thursday on March the 11th. So they filed a lawsuit against a gentleman named Simon Lancaster. Now he's a former employee who allegedly used his position within the company to steal sensitive trade secret information. But on top of that, he then leaked that to a journalist and then had that information published in multiple rumor articles. Now, he has worked with Apple as an advanced materials lead and product design architect until November the 1st of 2019. Now, according to this report and according to this lawsuit, Mr. Simon Lancaster worked at Apple for more than a decade, and he used his senior status to attend some of these internal meetings, and also it gave them the ability to access documents that Apple says were uh, in the lawsuit, outside the scope of his job responsibilities. So some of these details that he obtained by being able to access the documents and go to these internal meetings were then published in media articles where they would cite a source. I feel like sometimes now these days, we don't even hear a a source anymore. People just spit out what they know. A friend of a friend or a made-up friend told them this. So here's also where it gets nasty. In exchange for the leaked information that Lancaster gave out, he asked the specific media person that he was in contact with for favors, such as providing favorable coverage of a startup company that Lancaster himself invested in. So we have an Apple employee for 10 years getting access to higher level information that was then leaked to the media. But in exchange for that favor, that media member or media outlet that was associated with that person he wanted favorable coverage of a startup company that he invested in can you say scandal I mean this is this is this is dirty y'all Who's bad? Simon Simon Lancaster that boy is bad now again these leaks at least his employment stopped. November 1st of 2019. But because of that, he still had additional information that rolled out deeper into the future. Right. So, according to the report, he began leaking actual details to the media, his media contact, which they do not state in here on November the 29th of 2018. Um, and then, obviously, that lasted for at least a year. They say he deepened his relationship with that media correspondent that he was speaking to. um, And he communicated about specific Apple trade secrets and also took specific steps to find more information like attending some of these meetings that technically he had access to, but technically he didn't have to be involved in. He also, some of the information that Lancaster also shared include details of unreleased Apple hardware products Unannounced feature changes to existing hardware products and future product announcements. So look, we we get to pontificate, look that up. It's not is it an SAT word? That might be an SAT word. But we gotta talk about all this stuff and have fun with it. And there are people that choose to put their jobs on the line. Some people have, you know. This is what Apple should be doing trying to stop the leaks and I think by making this very public it might be kind of a warning sign for other people to maybe to tighten up a little bit. There's a a long running joke I feel like it was at least 5 years ago is is early in Tim Cook's regime where he said we're going to double down on secrecy. And then all of a sudden more leaks than ever just started flowing from Apple it was almost like a challenge but it is really you know it's really hard to control this people at multiple levels from the factory level from the supply chain level from internally in Apple they have phones they have the ability to take pictures they have the ability to communicate and send these things and a, and a a post by someone that no one knows on Chinese uh, microblogging site Weibo can take off and become the image that represents what we what is a future product it, the the world is so much smaller because of our phones and the way that we can access and all kind of contribute to storytelling for good or for worse. Now, Apple is seeking damages that were incurred as the result of the trade secrets that Lancaster stole. There is no monetary number associated with that. Um, But look, we are lucky to be able to talk about this stuff. I will say it definitely spoils some of the excitement and the reality is that there's people that are working at Apple that have worked years and years and years of their life to come up with some amazing stuff to surprise people. You know, they enjoy what they do. I mean for the most part. I'm not speaking for everyone, but I I know most people over there do enjoy what they do. And when something like that gets leaked out, it, it can suck some of the joy out. I mean we as users, as tech fans, as Apple fans We get excited more when um, there's a feature that gets announced that we never heard about, right? Because we know so much. I mean, look at how much we know about the AirTags. Look at how much we know about the iPads and the iPhones and really the MacBook Pros. I mean, we pretty much know, I would arguably say about 80% of the product lineup for this year, as well as features. I think quite honestly, the most mysterious product right now is um, the Apple Watch out of the kind of known flagship uh, commodities. We've heard things about Apple Watch, but we haven't, no one's really said this is absolutely happening. It's always kind of like, oh, this may happen, this might happen. Whereas with a lot of other products, we're saying, oh, we're we're definitely gonna see this. And I do think if someone said, oh, Brian, you depend on these leaks. I wouldn't say I depend on them. I mean, it definitely helps me create videos, but I would say that if there were less leaks and if there was less to talk about Apple, uh, maybe the hype around Apple wouldn't be as big as well. So I'm not saying these leaks are good for them and good for their employees who work their butts off, but there is an insatiable demand for any type of information coming out from Cupertino. And one of the things that I can kind of compare this to is if any of you are NBA basketball fans, it is the sport that that something happens year-round, 24-7, fans within that ethos want to consume as much nba information culture life stuff about players beefs trades transactions i mean it can be obsessive and i feel like the nba fandom where we start not even looking at these people like humans sometimes i mean i always do but the way that some conversations happen about players and what the people, you know, they just treat them like commodities and trade them, move them here. It's like day trading, basically. How they feel about a, a player every day, a different different day, they feel differently. I think Apple has that same kind of just obsessive fandom, and it's fun. It it is kind of escapism too from our day to day lives. It's something we can focus on. It's these are toys for grownups, like right? Electronics are just incredibly life changing amazing devices they're also kind of like grown-up toys and we love our toys so apple had a crackdown um i don't like how it does affect you know people that work really hard but once the news is out the news is out and so quite honestly i've made a living covering this stuff and also reviewing products that legitimately come out and i will continue to do that but um it i i feel like this is a signal from apple And maybe the leaks get a little tighter because you got to imagine this guy's life is going to be significantly different now. I mean, how much are they going to sue him for? Uh, I'm guessing this guy didn't make millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I think Apple's going to try and sue him for millions and millions and millions of dollars. So we'll see what happens. But you know what is funny about this is that we did a story just now about, you know, Apple cracking down on leaks. And then I think our next three or four stories about, are about leaks. (laughs) Who would have thunk it? All right, so let's get into the product news that you care about. I don't know if you enjoyed that story, but I thought it was kind of fascinating because of the detail that that gentleman went and the specific breakdown of it. It's a fun story. Look it up on the internet if you can. But the latest leaks that we have here are renders that claim to show the third generation AirPods design. Now, these are the standard AirPods that are now going to look a whole lot more like AirPods Pro. The stems are shorter. There are no rubber rubberized kind of ear tips which means people that might have thought these would be in-ear headphones, it looks like they're more of the kind that I don't want to say they rest on rest on your ear instead of directly being connected and sealed off by that rubber that rubber tip. So the renders came from Gizmo China. <laughs> Did I almost say it? <laughs> like China. But we're expecting to potentially see these new AirPods sometime maybe by the end of March. I mean, there's been a rumored March 23rd event or at least Apple product announcement that's been thrown out there. Uh, Recently, another Chinese leaker reported that Apple will also be holding the event on uh, March 23rd. That's in addition to what John Prosser reported. So now we kind of have two sources that are saying March 23rd, we'll see some kind of announcement, some kind of announcement. If it's a big presentation from Apple... We press, we'll probably find out about it next week. But if we don't hear anything, maybe it just ends up being a a website thing. But with a shorter stem, these really, I mean, it gets a little confusing. They start really looking like AirPods Pro without the rubber tips. The thinking is that they also will not have noise canceling. So, you know, they'll still have the H1 chip. Maybe, maybe they don't offer spatial sound for these. To me, a uh, handoff between devices and spatial sound should just be standard features on AirPods moving forward. But the renders, pretty much, you can't see them, but I'm telling you, over this podcast, they just look like AirPods Pro without the rubber tips. Now, we've talked a lot about the iPhone. I'm not gonna start off with rumors first, but just to let you know kind of the status of Apple, of where they where they stand right now, TrendForce is reporting that Apple overtook Samsung to become the world's largest smartphone maker in the fourth quarter of 2020. Now, Apple produced during the fourth quarter 77.6 million iPhone units, 69.8 of them were iPhone 12 units. So roughly about 90% of all iPhones produced last year were iPhone 12 iPhones. Also, iPhone production from Apple or phone production overall increased 85% quarter over quarter. So they were actually able to overtake Samsung and rank first amongst all smartphone brands. Also, the other point that was kind of interesting is that even though historically smartphone production uh, tends to experience a drop of around 20% for the first quarter, right? So from the end of Q 2020, to 2021 right you have this peak holiday season and it tends to drop that wasn't the case with the iPhone it defied that and actually increased a little as well so the iPhone is in a healthy position we've heard lots of reports how the iPhone mini they're recently like turning production down on that model because it's not selling as well um and that's fine i mean they're still selling iPhones maybe they didn't meet expectations it's still expected that the iPhone mini will still be part of the product family with four specific models this year. So it hasn't stopped Apple from making them. And again, 5% of Apple, what Apple makes is still a lot. I mean, if we even look at those numbers, don't don't force me to do the math right now, everybody here, but let's say 77.6 million units, our iPhone units were produced. So that we're saying basically, let's just round up around 80 million. So 5% of that was roughly around a little under 4 million iPhones. Maybe we're saying around 3.5, 3.2 million iPhones uh, were iPhone 12 minis. That's still a bunch of iPhones. Like, if it was somewhere maybe like under around a million, million and a half, maybe Apple wouldn't do, but 3.5-ish million iPhones still produced for that specific model they're still selling a bunch, and that's why you see we're not going to lose it in 2021 in in that product family. We've kind of talked about Apple's future with building modems, and you know they, they did the Intel acquisition. We've talked about that. According to the latest report from Barclays analysts, Apple's own designed 5G modem is said to debut in all 2023 models. Now the expectation is they would absolutely use Snapdragon's new uh, X60 modem in this year's 2021 iPhones. And then followed by that, they would most likely use Qualcomm Snapdragon X65 modems in the 2022 iPhones. We talked about this, I think, like a couple episodes ago. So the expectation is that 2023, okay, if they had to, they could still rely on Qualcomm again to provide those modems. But thinking... And all signs point to Apple finally putting in their own 5G modems designed in-house by them in 2023. And that's, the reason why that's exciting is like, look what they did with the A-series chip. Look what they did with the Apple M1 chip. To me, however they integrate this chip into the phone, I mean, maybe there's even more battery optimization that they can pull from it. And then the other thing is, once they start designing their own chip, it's gonna be made and built to fit their hardware. So maybe 2023 is the year we actually start seeing Apple finally putting 5G modems into their own laptops. You know, it wouldn't make sense for them to all of a sudden just jump in and go, oh, Qualcomm, we're gonna put 5G modems in our laptop, your 5G modems, and then just end the contract. I mean, they could, quite honestly, for users. I don't really care if it's a Qualcomm modem or an Apple modem until Apple you know, shows us any major benefits, I'd ideally, just as an option, as a feature, I'd like to see 5G in Apple laptops even this year because, look, people keep their laptops for at least, I would argue most people, at least two to three years. I mean, you got some people that always upgrade every year, that's fine, but they're the exception that that's not normal. But I would like to see 5G modems in in a, Apple Laptops hardware. Also, this kind of quick little nugget, um, in case you didn't see this or know this. So we have iOS 14.5. They've been releasing a bunch of the betas and whatnot. And Apple's making this little minor change to how users can sign up for podcasts now because in the past, I mean, historically, it's always said subscribe, right? You've heard it, subscribe to the podcast. I mean, I even I said, subscribe to my podcast, subscribe to my YouTubes, whatever's. So. They are now changing the wording here because they say that it is, they've found, according to even highlighted by a pot, outlet Pod News, that the word subscribe could potentially mislead some users to believe that by hitting subscribe that it would cost money to listen to. And this is one of those things that you never think about. And I'm like, damn. I could totally see someone like my mom Or someone who's new to podcasts and someone says, hey, you should sign up for these podcasts. And they say, see, subscribe. And they're like, I'm not gonna pay for that. And so they're now changing it where it doesn't even say subscribe. If you search for a podcast in iOS 14.5, instead of the word subscribe, it'll just say latest episode with a play button. And then once you play it, it'll basically give you the option to follow it, not subscribe. So... Don't use the word subscribe anymore. If it if it's not, if it's free, follow. Follow my channel. Follow my podcast. I mean, I guess that sounds all right.
1: Yeah!
0: I'm good with that. All right, just another follow-up. Another report coming out from Digitimes claims that the 12.9-inch iPad Pro with mini LED display will launch as soon as late March. I mean, we've heard this a bunch, so I'm just kind of, again, throwing out another reinforcer, faster A14X chip support for 5G networks, and mini LED appear to be the big changes in this new iPad. You know, we already have the dual camera lens on it and the LiDAR sensor. So mini LED, I know it's going to look better. I know it's going to look better. I, part of me says, I still would tell most people that they're probably better off with A cheaper iPad, unless it looks so good and unless the battery optimization is so much better on this year's crop of iPads, like part of me says, I'm probably going to be fine with my iPad Pro third generation from 2018, late 2018. But if they're changing the whole screen tech, I'm 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 going to go for it as a tech fan. I'm going to go for it. But I think most people probably don't, and I would probably be just as happy. Also, other kind of software tweaks, things that are important for creators. If you use Adobe Photoshop, Adobe officially announced this week that their Adobe Photoshop app, which had been toying around in beta uh, with Apple M1 machines, so that would be the Mac Mini, the MacBook Air, and the current 13-inch MacBook Pro. Photoshop will now run natively on M1 Macs. So this is the entire Photoshop. Um, And so you'll be able to have faster performance with filters, effects, and overall a boost in performance. And that's according directly from Adobe. So Photoshop fans, like I'm waiting for Premiere. I know some people are like, Brian, why are you using Premiere? You should be using Final Cut Pro. And I've just learned on Premiere and I'm efficient on it right now. And I even know the Final Cut Pro renders real time, resulting in a faster export. But I still enjoy using Premiere right now. So. I do really think what it might take for me to jump over is if for some reason they put Final Cut Pro whatever that looks like on an iPad Pro and maybe I start using it mobile more. That that would probably tilt me tip the scales for me to say okay, I'm going to jump over. But we'll see. Other reports two new Apple Silicon MacBooks, we've heard about this, the 14 rumored 14-inch 14 and the 16-inch models are expected to enter mass production in the second half of 2021. So if they enter the second half of uh, 2021 production, we're talking about what typically happens, new MacBooks, MacBook Pros in that fall season. They used to do it like right before back to school, but lately we've seen it even later than that, even with speed bumps. I believe when I got my 16-inch MacBook Pro and they did a speed bump on, I felt like it was in like November maybe of, of that year. Anyways, don't expect it anytime soon at this rumored spring event. It's gonna be most likely later in the year if you're looking at MacBook Pros. And then kind of sticking with MacBook Pros, a recent patent application that was filed by Apple, first spotted by Patently Apple because they're the ones that are digging all this, reveals how Apple's exploring kind of a wider, broader use of haptic feedback on the MacBook. So we know that right now there's this like taptic engine underneath the trackpad, which... It's not a physical button, but it gives you the sensation to feel like you're clicking on it because it's really just a flat slate. When the power, when the power's off and you're not using it, it's straight up just like completely flat. So instead of like just making the technology more widespread on devices, Apple in this patent is talking about how haptic feedback can be advanced by providing it in different areas to indicate like wider uses and a wider range of functionality on a laptop. So instead of just being isolated to like the trackpad, what if you started having haptic feedback on the left side, on the middle, you know, the right side? Maybe it's scrolling on the edges up and down or even using it to scrub through content or video beyond the trackpad. Everyone's going to say, well, the trackpad's right there. And you're right, but what if you had maybe different haptics around the the entire surface that offered more functionality. Maybe if it's even just scrolling through, like quickly through a PDF or a file, things like that, you know, page scrolling could be interesting. I'm just saying. I, I like all these things because it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it's a good indicator of just like where, where Apple's brain is thinking and, you know, I would say more often than not, the patents that we see that we've reported on that end up being revealed that Apple files patents for, I I don't think we've seen many of them come to fruition at least over the past five years. And maybe that's because we've seen stuff like, oh, 5G in an Apple laptop, still haven't seen, or even cellular connectivity in an Apple laptop, we still haven't seen that to this day. So it's cool to see what they're thinking, but most of the time, we haven't seen many of these actually pan out. All right. Thanks to Indeed for sponsoring this podcast. Hiring is one of those things that you do not want to mess up. You need to hire great people if you want to take your entire business to that next level. And with the stakes this high, there's only one choice. It's Indeed. Indeed Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. So you can do the part that you really need faster meeting and hiring great people. Now, unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. And with Indeed, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you're going to see a list of great candidates right away. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Do you want your quality shortlist fast? Well, you need Indeed, Right now get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com/applebits this is indeed's best offer available anywhere get a free $75 credit at indeed.com/applebits indeed.com/applebits offer valid through march 31st terms and conditions apply Also, thanks to Amazon Pharmacy for sponsoring the Apple Bits XL as well. Amazon Pharmacy makes it easy to order prescriptions and have them delivered straight to you. The process is really simple and it just saves you both time and then the hassle of going out. So there's no more waiting in line at the pharmacy. Instead, you just have your doctor's office send you your next prescription straight to Amazon Pharmacy and then you will receive it delivered right to your door. Amazon Pharmacy also works with most insurance plans nationwide. Now, if you're an Amazon Prime member, we all know like how fast shipping can be. And in most cases, it's gonna be just as fast with Amazon Pharmacy for the overall convenience. Using Amazon is part of almost all of our lives from shopping and other things. So the experience... It's really familiar. You don't have to physically wait at the pharmacy anymore. And many of us, we're still staying at home right now. So it's going to be convenient as well. And your prescription comes right to you, just like everything else you've ordered from Amazon. Amazon Prime members can save on prescription medication when not using insurance and get free two-day delivery. Learn more at Amazon.com slash AppleBits. That's amazo dot slash AppleBits. All right, let's uh, keep on rolling. You know, we have a, just a few just a few more stories before we, we get to our calls. And this is kind of like, to me, it's the everything must go, 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 Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Now, some of y'all kiddies there, these used to be like, oh my goodness, the TV commercials we'd see. How many of us are watching TV all the time now? Jeez. But I remember on the weekends, you'd see ads like that, whether they're car sales or furniture sales, things like that. Um, We've seen a few things that are indicating that maybe some products are transitioning, maybe not. But at least right now, the full-size gray, sorry, space gray HomePod is currently unavailable from Apple in the US for purchase and delivery. White ones are in stock, gray ones are not. Still $299, still sounds really good, still overpriced for what it does for me. But I, I also still love it. I mean, I think that the HomePod sounds, mm, for me, I'm absolutely a fan. Also, I don't know if any of you saw this as well. The If you go to Amazon and search for an 11-inch iPad Pro Magic Keyboard, remember, those things were not cheap at all. Well, the 11-inch iPad Pro for the fourth generation, that new Magic Keyboard that came out last year, they're selling it for $100 cheaper. And... Normally it's a two ninety nine, so it's now one ninety nine. That doesn't typically happen uh unless maybe, maybe we you know we heard John Prosser allude to it that a new magic keyboard was coming that might be a little bigger because the form factor might be a little different for the new iPad Pros coming in twenty twenty one. If you look for the twelve point nine inch iPad Pro fourth generation magic keyboard, that is only like twenty dollars less. So it's not like both of them are, but it is, that's a pretty chunky, hefty discount at this point in time. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe new Magic Keyboard is part of the equation. Maybe not. So those are kind of two things. Um, but also, fine, you know, we're, we're in the spring season. We're going to see new stuff. May, March, sorry, March 23rd is the target date that we're looking at first. Maybe if nothing happens there, then we're going to see something in April. But I I did want to transition to something, you know, I've talked about this on the show a bunch, and I've been embarrassed to say that I haven't done it for for a long time. But I will tell you that I finally watched Ted Lasso. That's right. I saw Ted, Oklahoma. That if you haven't seen the show, you have to be straight honest when the word Oklahoma is said, that show was amazing. That show is worth watching. That is a show that is the first show on Apple TV Plus which I, you know, it, I'm doing so much content. I finally said, "Okay, fine. I'm going to take like a day and a half and just put some time aside to watch Ted Lasso." It was, it was so easy to watch. I wanted to stay up the whole night, but that is one of those shows that really would make me say, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to come back to Apple TV Plus." I don't know how many seasons it has in it, but that's one of the shows. You know, I even put up a survey on my Twitter because a recent report came out that Disney Plus a service that many of us love whether you're you have a family or not Disney Plus has now has more than 100 million subscribers globally paying subscribers not free paying subscribers and so it made me think about Apple TV Plus and you know where what what do we what do you think the numbers are for Apple TV Plus when we're talking out paid subscribers. Now, there are for sure because there's a lot of people in the Apple ecosystem. You have people that are uh, you know, in the family plan, that Apple One plan. But to me, I'm like, okay, I I threw out the question, what percentage like how many paid subscribers do you think Apple TV Plus has that are not part of the Apple One bundle? That are people that are specifically paying, I believe it's 4.99 a month just for Apple TV Plus content. So I put up four options. Do you think it's less than 10 million subscribers that, again, are paying for Apple TV Plus that are not part of the Apple One bundle? Is it more than 10 million? Is it more than 25 million? Or is it even more than 50 million? Now I put the survey up just to see what the pulse was because I know what I was thinking. And 72% of respondents, which had about, we had about 500 votes on this, said they believe less than 10 million people are paid subscribers for Apple TV+. And I totally agree with that. I 100% agree with that. Uh, And these are people that are also not part of the Apple One bundle. I think that goes up somewhat, but even, I'm actually really curious how many people are paid subscribers of the Apple One bundle. Because, I'm going to throw it out there. I mean, knowing how many Apple users there are, I don't even know if that hits 25 million just for paid subscribers of the Apple One bundle. Maybe I'm super underestimating it. Hey, we'd love if Apple told us, but Apple doesn't give us these numbers. But the majority of people, 72.2% believe that paid subscribers solely for Apple TV Plus is less than 10 million. And it might be pretty low purely because we're still watching it for free. It's been over a year later. Apple's still giving it to us for free. 16.2% said 10 million plus people are paying for Apple TV plus uh exclusively. 25 uh 6.7% said 25 million plus people are paying for it exclusively and then the smallest number 4.9% of people believed that 50 million plus people are paying for Apple TV plus. I'm pretty sure we don't I don't know I'm not trying to undersell, but I don't even know if we have 50 million people paying for the Apple One bundle. I'd be curious, but you know, I love hearing from y'all. I would love to hear how many of you actually are. I, I feel like when I ask a specific question like this, most people say, I, will call and say, I'm paying for Apple One bundle. I'd like to hear if you are or not. And then maybe ask the question that you want to you want ask. Record a voice memo, applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebitsshow with a Z. And then just, first of all, let me know if you are an Apple TV Plus or Apple One Bundle Payne subscriber or not. And then get your comments or questions. But Disney Plus is at 100 million plus subscribers globally. That's insane. I mean, that's a damn impressive number. And look, Falcon Winter Soldier, coming up soon. What, in a few days? Someone here might have already seen the first episode. But I can't talk about it yet. I'm not allowed to talk about it. But someone has actually seen the first episode. Is that my is that my sound of like I'm really excited that I know that I've seen it and you haven't? It's it's okay. That was a stupid sound. Just ignore that, all right? Ignore all that. Let's get to our phone calls. Again, I just told you a little earlier, how do you be a part of the show? Voice memo, record, send it off, show at gmail.com. And I do encourage people that don't want to record their voice to write in. I have read some of your emails and questions as well, but we got a healthy crop of calls. Six We're going six deep today. Let's start off with our first one from Adrian.
2: Adrian. Hi, Brian. This is Adrian from Texas coming at you from France. Uh, I have a question about macOS on the iPad. So when people hear that sometimes, they're just like, nope, never going to (laughs) happen. Never. And I used to be one of those people. But uh, I think things have been changing. You know, now we have the Files app. We have USB-C on the iPad Pros. They have really good processors. There's rumors they'll have these processors as powerful as the M1 or something like that. Uh, they added mouse support in, in March 2020, and it's just been it's been changing a lot. And so at this point, I could maybe see them bringing macOS to the iPad or, or, you know, you've talked about bringing pro apps or really just other apps to the iPad, having them, having them run in some way on the iPad. You know, what chance do you think there is of this happening? Or do you think there's a different way that Apple might do this? I feel like with the iPad Pro and iPad OS, you never really know what they're going to do. Some years it's a big leap, and some years it's just baby steps. So what do you think? What do you think they could do this year if they if they make a big leap? You know, how might they do this? Or if they just add something small, what do you think that might be? So thanks. Have a good day. See ya. Or as folks say around these parts, au revoir. Au
0: revoir. Well, thank you. Adrian. Adrian. I'll stop. I, I probably have a slightly uh, offensive French accent. You know, Adrian, when you ask what could they do, well... You know, the underpinnings and the hooks um, for iOS apps now to be completely 100% compatible over to macOS. And really, developers have found that it could go basically both ways. Technically, Apple could bring their apps over, but it is a different experience. And so I think if they did it, depending on which direction they want to go, it would have to come in some different shape size, shape, or form. You know, macOS is looking more like iOS every day. We saw it even when I talked to the product manager for macOS and iOS. He said it, although he didn't give us any insight into how they're thinking. All we have to do is look at the shape of the icons, how macOS feels like it can be touched. And maybe it comes to the iPad. Maybe, I'm not saying they're going to do this. Maybe Apple brings it to their own. Maybe Apple actually does put a freaking touchscreen in one of their MacBooks or MacBook Pros. They only have to do it in one just to see how people respond. And maybe we see that, but they could do whatever they want until they do anything. I just don't know what direction they're going to go to. We got another call here that kind of piggybacks on some of your thinking. So I'm going to get to that and kind of close the circle of this question from Edron. Here we have Jodan.
3: Hey, Brian, Jordan from Columbus here calling in about the Final Cut Pro on the iPad rumors again. I was kind of thinking to myself, I wonder how much use I would give it because I just like the the multi-window support and the file management a little bit better on macOS and find it a little bit easier to use. But I have to imagine Final Cut on the iPad would be a really cool, I guess, away from my other computer kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, I was wondering what your thoughts would be on it. Thanks. Bye.
0: Well, thank you, Jordan. And to piggyback off Adrian, I swear I'm going to stop it. I swear. No more. Crushing it. No more. Um. So, Jordan, here's, for me, I think that they could learn a lot from what Photoshop did. So, Photoshop is on the iPad. Photoshop has taken a lot of time to kind of evolve on the iPad when they first released it. You could do kind of some basic stuff, um, masking, selection, move things around, import layers. And it, was, it wasn't it was at the point where I felt like I could mobily um, work on the iPad. And the thing about it is that Photoshop pretty much completely rebuilt their app or made a different type of app that interacts with the iPad completely differently. It still doesn't have every single feature of... Um, the desktop version, but it has a whole lot more now. And for me, if I could do pretty much, let's say you get to maybe like 80 to 90% of um, what I can do on a desktop on this iPad, the reality to me is that if I had a, you know, the iPad works with mouse control now. If I had an iPad and Final Cut Pro on this, I'm pretty sure... I could pretty much 99% do what I do on Premiere. And the fact that maybe there's instances where I'm on the go and I'm not trying to make a full-on review video, but maybe I'm trying to do like a vlog or and I still wanna add a little spice to it. And maybe it's just like a a first impression of something. If I, and I know LumaFusion is out there, but if I wanna stick in that ecosystem that's super optimized, Apple would need to make a version of Final Cut Pro X that may be slightly different and catered towards the functionality of the iPad Pro, but I would totally use it. And if they can do something like that, then I would use it. If Premiere, from their learnings from Photoshop, did the same thing and maybe tweaked Premiere and put it on the iPad Pro, then I would use it as well. So I don't see it as like a direct port in any way, shape, or form. I mean, technically they could do that, but I think that it would be a semi-evolved version of the app. And that takes time, so I'm not rushing these developers but it has been like five years since the ipad pro came out and we still haven't seen any piece of professional software from apple on their pro product Uh, so that's what i want to see and i do believe they can do it it's just a matter of when they're going to put it out there and and photoshop man as because it feels like a year has we've lost a year i guess photoshop for the ipad has been out now for over almost three years now It might be two and a half or so, maybe even longer if my brain serves me right or incorrectly. So that took a long time for it to even to get to a suitable point, but I I really enjoyed using it when I have. But I have not gotten to the point where I'm making stills on the road, on Photoshop, on my iPad Pro, but I'd like to. I think it just, no matter what, having options and versatility is never a bad thing. Um, And these companies are multi-billion dollar companies that can do that in in a way specifically to serve and lock in their users even more into their ecosystem so i think it's it can only be a good thing. So that's how i envision maybe they would do it. It wouldn't be a direct port, but it would be slightly tweaked specifically to um take advantage of what the device has to offer with the touchscreen and a pencil and stylus and maybe there's different ways to navigate and use it. All right, next call from a man
3: Chris Brian, this is Chris at North Calculac. Just a comment about um, Apple iPhones losing their ports, perhaps. Um, With the advent of Apple CarPlay, I just don't see that happening because from what I understand, CarPlay relies on that physical port connection. So if Apple does remove the port, they're going to lose a lot of people because people rely on that CarPlay connection. What do you think about that? Thanks.
0: All right, Chris. So, you know, this is funny because you brought up something that I first thought um, and I didn't think about it. And I'm, look, we know plenty of cars and people don't change out their cars every two or three years. Like most people don't. But initially I'd used CarPlay and yeah, right, right. You're connecting it through the Lightning connector. But now more and more, um, most cars, you just connect to CarPlay via Bluetooth. Now, if Apple was to get rid of that port on the bottom, it would it would obviously kill all those users that are using CarPlay. Now, what I would say and what I think is that whenever they do remove that port, I think the thinking is that most people, let's say they they're probably they're most likely going to keep the port this year. Now there are rumblings again. This is all conjecture that maybe Apple jumps up to they don't do USB C at all and they jump to a portless iPhone. And if they did, we're maybe looking at more like 2023 or so. So if we're saying another two years, three years, by that time, I feel like a majority of car owners that are using CarPlay already, maybe they graduate a little bit, or maybe they keep their earlier phone just to serve as a CarPlay item. That's fine too. But I think, let's say you take out the port in three or four years, I think most cars are going to be Bluetooth equipped or... CarPlay is going to be ready to roll and more com- and compatible on a majority of cars that are out there. That it won't have as big of a negative effect as maybe it would have if you took the port out today. So that's where my thinking is. I could be totally wrong, but I think right as time goes on and things are more and more modernized and future proofed, that it's most people are going to connect through Bluetooth through CarPlay, I'd actually be really curious, although we don't have any data on it, how many people today, what are the numbers of using CarPlay with a physical wire versus Bluetooth? Uh, I don't have a car that has CarPlay or Android Auto or anything. So I use Bluetooth when I go back to the Bay Area, visit my parents. And when I drive my mom's car, (laughs) drive my mama's car, because obviously I don't have a car to get around when I'm there, that's when I use CarPlay. And it's all wireless, completely Bluetooth. So we'll see. All right, next up, Scott. Oh, hold on. Wrong. We got our friend Chance who's calling. This is going to be helpful for you all. May not be specifically Apple related, but I I think it's going to be helpful.
1: Brian Tong. Hi, this is Chance from Houston. And I've got a really quick question for you. I know you dabble in sound and sound bars and the whole Atmos thing. And I need your help. I have a small apartment we're talking about. Total of 700 square feet total, and I am looking for something that can handle Atmos, but also is a you know a pretty good value. Um, I was looking at doing the stereo pair of HomePods for about 500 bucks. I can find a few of them used or on sale, and I thought this might be the way to go because I was comparing it to some of these Sony Atmos soundbars and for less money, it seems like, for the space. The home pods might actually be a better deal. I'm looking to stay under 500 bucks, So it, do you have any suggestions, or am I on the right track? Let me know. Thank you.
0: All right, Chance. Um, I do have some suggestions, and I think this will help people as well. Now, first of all, um, Dolby Atmos, I'm... I've been talking about this for years and I'm, I'm glad to see it's now becoming like a mainstream thing or it's in the the heads of a lot of tech fans now. But part of one of the things that helps Dolby Atmos is actually having space, meaning the sound can, to, it kind of creates this feeling of a volume of space. But if you're in a tighter, tighter spot, you may not be able to take, it may not sound as quote unquote as spacious, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. So first of all, thinking home pods, Two of them, uh, for people that don't know, two of them together can support Dolby Atmos. But what I would say, if you have not purchased any HomePods at all, right? Even if you do, right now, two HomePods is actually $299 each, so maybe you get them on sale, but right now that's basically $600. So I I have some suggestions because I've done a bunch of this Dolby Atmos stuff. Because your overall apartment is only 700 square feet, you, you really don't, I would not spend big money on a Dolby Atmos system. Now, you said your target was under 500. Many Dolby Atmos, for you, I'm thinking a soundbar and a subwoofer. And for me, it's key that you have a system with a subwoofer, I almost said soundwoofer, with a subwoofer to give you those deep bass tones. Even if it annoys your neighbors, I don't care. (laughs) But even if you turn on a lower volume, it, it makes the sound fuller. So, look, Sony has a system that's six hundred dollars. That's not within your five hundred dollar range, but they do. It's a three point one channel Dolby Atmos soundbar with uh, with a subwoofer. It's called the HT G seven hundred. You can look at that. Samsung has a nice fine system as well. It's a called the Q seventy T six hundred dollars. But where I would point you is Vizio, um, because when we did our soundbar test, Vizio's bang for buck. I mean, it sounded just as good as the sound bars that were like in the $700, 900 range. And it, at the time, I think the model that I was looking at was around, I think it was like a $500 one. And also because your room is smaller, you don't need, quite honestly, you don't need to fill as much sound. So I would suggest you look into this. If you wanna email me directly, you can. But if you're really, your entire apartment is only 700 square feet, your living room, well, I'm gonna guess is maybe... Living room, kitchen area might be like 400 square feet or so, maybe-ish, if we take away your bathroom and uh, bedroom. So look at something like the Vizio 36-inch, 5.1.2. It's a soundbar and a subwoofer. I I really push you towards that direction. There's a $500 one that's $496. Or if you can even look at the Vizio M-series soundbar, it's 5.1, and that thing is 349 like I'm saying, bro, don't even you don't even need to spend uh five hundred dollars at all. Look at the Vizio M series five point one home theater soundbar. It's three forty nine with the space that you have, it's gonna be more than able to fill it out. So um that's where I point you. Everyone listening, depending on your space, I think it, it matters. You don't need to get the biggest, baddest speaker system uh if you live in a smaller area. You just don't. I mean, quite honestly. When I lived in a small apartment, um, told me Atmos, Atmos wasn't out yet, but you know, I really wanted a 5.1 sound system and I and I got one. And if I could make that decision today, I would just get a sound bar and a subwoofer and save a lot of money and it would still sound really great. It's going to sound great either way. So hopefully that helps you. And I love when you guys and gals ask questions. I mean, I've always wanted the idea of like maybe starting a non-Apple podcast, but I have so many things to do that unless I get help, I probably should just, Keep it cool for now. All right, let's go. Next, uh, two calls. I asked some of you all for suggestions of what to do, so maybe this kind of piggybacks right into
2: that. Hey, Brian, it's Scott. I wonder what you think of having some Android proponents come on your show sometime. You talked before about how you like to use devices and services from different companies who can sort of keep a perspective and not just be solely in the Apple bubble. So what do you think about having people from, let's say, 9to5Google or some other Android-centric uh, programs on so you can discuss Apple versus Android on different hardware and software choices? Love your show, man. Thanks.
0: Thanks for calling in, Scott. You know, I love the idea. Uh, I've always been debating of whether to do that on a separate podcast that's just about other tech topics. Um because there's such kind of like a really specific geared podcast here where like honestly a lot of people are listening to this podcast. And so if I just change course in it, I don't think that serves the purpose of this podcast. And it almost makes more sense to have a second one that is the broader tech spectrum as well. You know, I did bring in um Enabong um, Ete, when we talked about the AirPods Max. And I loved that because he brought a lot of different perspective on different headphones. And so, you know, I, I'll make an effort to bring in maybe some people that are more geared towards android maybe when it comes around iphone time um or samsung galaxy announcements and things like that just to maybe talk a little bit about the difference i mean i have plenty of friends other fellow youtubers that cover the space really great as well um so i think that's a great suggestion and i will definitely uh work on that for this year so thanks scott all right next up my man burham
3: hey brian it's burham here from melbourne just finished listening to the latest podcast um, good news with the ECG feature coming to Australia. Um, this has been sort of long-awaited. Just keen to try it, see how it uh, sort of works out. Um, if you hear some background noise, I've got a good old-fashioned Aussie barbecue going on, so excuse the background noise. I just heard the last part of your podcast opening the floor to any suggestions you can add. Um, what I want to know is: can you add any sort of tips or tricks? you have you can give us, um, given you're the Apple Maestro, um, you know to use this stuff real well in terms of hardware and software, you know, anything you can sort of give us that you think we might not know about, hidden features, fast way of doing things, um, shortcuts, whatever it is, I'll leave it up to you. You're the Maestro. Let me know what you think. Thanks, Brian.
0: What's up, Burham So you know what? The only reason why I don't get too nitty gritty into how-tos on the show is only because, because it's audio. I feel like doing tips tends to just be better on video, and so talking through, navigating menus, just the medium itself doesn't isn't um, as optimized for that. So that's honestly why I haven't done it. So um, if there's tips that make sense, that aren't too complex, that are easier to tell people over here, and that are maybe like three-step tips, but I feel like most of you end up knowing them, if it's something new, then maybe it's a good idea to bring it up, but it, it's just harder for me to say, go to this point in the menu, go to that point in the menu when it's audio. And many of you are driving or kind of casually in a room listening and doing other things that it's just not as effective a medium. But, you know, I'll, I'll think about it, but that's just why I haven't done it so far. So there you go. All right, everybody, that's gonna do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for all of your support. Hey, big thanks, first of all, to our Patreon supporters at the Platinum Apple level, the $100 level per month, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader Jarrett Lewis, Eric Cohen, Atari Koenigsegg. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for your support. You all allow me to keep doing this. And again, I always say thank you to all of our contributors at all the different levels. I do not want to leave you out, but part of uh, being a Platinum Apple is getting your name set on the show. So uh, thank you for your continued support patreon.com slash brian tong is how you do it starting at two dollars per month it goes higher and like i said earlier early access to content benefits at different levels and a completely ad-free version of the show but whether you can't afford to or not again we know how different times are even with the stimulus checks coming uh i'm just so grateful that you've continued to support this and i can only say thank you and uh, continue to kind of pump out as much content as i can for y'all so thanks for that everybody we'll be back here next week same bat time ish same bat channel it's the apple bits xl baby we'll talk to you soon peace